Christmas number one rewind, a podcast charting every Christmas number one chart battle ever with Tom Eames. It's Christmas! Welcome to part 6 of Christmas number 1 Rewind. New century, same Christmas number 1 race. The previous decade showed that the battle was as fierce as ever, but had the silly novelty factor gone forever? And could something new from the land of TV threaten the festive chart once and for all? Let's find out as we trek back to the 2000s. Christmas efforts in 2000 included the return of Wizard's Roy Wood. This time he teamed up with the Wombles on an early form of the mashup, the downright ridiculous I Wish It Could Be a Wombling Merry Christmas Every Day, and it landed at number 22. One place above was Craig Phillips, who won the first series of Big Brother earlier in the year. Back then, anyone who was remotely famous was given a record deal, whether they could sing or not, and his festive tune at this time of year was at 21. At 12 was the first incarnation of the Sugar Babes with New Year. sounding ballad from S Club 7, Never Had a Dream Come True, a former number one, was at number four. And the alternative choice went to another former number one, Eminem and Dido's Stan at three. Anyways, I hope you get this man. Hit me back, just a chat. Truly yours, the biggest fan. This is Stan. Westlife attempted to become the next keepers of the Christmas number one like the Spice Girls before them, and backed by record executive Simon Cowell, tried to secure their second festive chart topper in a row with the ballad What Makes a Man. But shockingly at the time, as all their other songs had gone to number one at that point, despite selling well over 300,000 copies in a week, it stalled at the Christmas number two. Love you the way 
And so it was a repeat of the fate suffered by Take That in 93, as the Westlife boys were beaten by a kids' TV programme. Bob the Builder swept the nation by the end of the year 2000, and his theme tune Can We Fixed It, voiced by Neil Morrissey, was not only Christmas number one, but the bestseller of the entire year too. Novelty Christmas had returned. Builder had bought back some old traditions with the Christmas race in 2000, and 2001 proved to be the last year that a talent show didn't have some sort of effect on the Christmas chart for 13 years. Contenders included Kate Winslet in her singing debut from the animated version of A Christmas Carol, What If was at number 11.
number nine, not quite capturing the success of Bob the Builder, were the tweenies with I Believe in Christmas. Daniel Bedingfield had already had a big number one, we've got to get through this, and he would reclimb there after Christmas, and he was at number three. Battle didn't feature any cartoons in 2001, but it did feature an unknown artist who had picked up a lot of fans through heavy airplay on Radio 2. Gordon Haskell had been around for decades, including short stints in King Crimson, and in 2001 his song How Wonderful You Are was given to Johnny Walker at Radio 2 the day before 9-11. Even before its release as a single later that year, the song soon surpassed the Beatles' Hey Jude and Frank Sinatra's My Way to become the most requested song ever on Radio 2. The jazz song eventually sold over 400,000 copies, but it wasn't quite enough and finished in second place. Gordon Haskell died in 2020, age 74. Things can happen fast Some things are built to last I've seen it all go down in Harry's barn Though we've only just begun this show will run and run Do you know how wonderful you are? He was beaten to the top by Robbie Williams, who did one better than he did when he was in Take That in 1993. Robbie had just released his album of swing covers, Swing When You're Winning, and backed by a big advertising and TV campaign, proved to be a winning formula at Christmas time. The lead single was a cover of Something Stupid featuring Nicole Kidman, who was arguably at the height of her fame at the time, and the song had a Christmassy vibe and it held on to the top spot for a second week. I know I stand in line until you think you have the time to spend an evening with me. And if we go someplace to dance, I know that there's a chance you won't be leaving with me. Afterwards we drop into a quiet little place and have a drink or two And then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like I love you I can see it in your eyes, you still despise the same old lies you heard the night before It's just a line to you for me It's true or never seem so right before I practice every day to find some clever lines To say to make the meaning come true But then I think I'll wait until the evening gets late And I'm alone with you The time is right, your perfume fills my head
2002 was the year in which the TV talent show and reality TV in general had truly taken over the music landscape, and particularly the Christmas number one race. Other contenders that year included boy band Blue teaming up with Elton John with a new version of his Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word. It was at number one the week before, and was at number four for Christmas week. In 2000, TV show pop stars had produced the group Hearsay, who for a short period were the biggest pop act in the UK with several massive hits. This was followed by Pop Idol, which spawned Gareth Gates and winner Will Young, whose winner song Evergreen was one of the UK's best-selling singles ever, and so for Autumn 2002, ITV launched pop stars The Rivals. The show aimed to create a boy band and a girl band, who would then both release a single against each other for the Christmas chart. While this meant that clearly the Christmas number one race was still the ultimate prize in pop, as this was announced quite early on, and these shows had already shown how popular the winners could be, no one else could really be bothered in taking them on for the Christmas number one. Their closest rivals was, ironically, an act who were ridiculed for their audition in Pop Stars The Rivals. Twins The Cheeky Girls brought out their own song, The Cheeky Song Touch My Bum, which they performed at their audition. It did surprisingly well, perhaps even serving as the alternative choice to what came next. The Cheeky Girls were at number three for Christmas. So in the end, One True Voice, the boy band, came in second place with what was to be their biggest hit, Sacred Trust, which was originally an album track by the Bee Gees. But they were thoroughly beaten by Girls Aloud, who would quickly become the next biggest pop act in the country. Sound of the Underground was the winner of 2002's race, and the age of the talent show at Christmas had begun. One of our two bands has actually got that number one slot. They have. But, Foxy, which one is it? Here comes the result, ladies and gents. An amazing series. Okay, two great it... bands, but I can tell you the Christmas number one. Is it the boys or is it the girls? 2002. It's Girls Aloud. <laughs> UK's number one hit record, the Christmas number one, 2002, with Sound of the Underground, it's Girls Aloud!
TV talent show winner's single coming out in 2003, it meant there was a bit of a manic race to try and grab the Christmas number one that year. Not only were there new entries that week for the likes of Blue, Sugar Babes and Atomic Kitten, there were also some oddities at the bottom end. Love Actually had just been released, and Bill Nye's character Billy Mack released his song from the film, Christmas Is All Around, but perhaps because the film was only a few weeks old and not the classic it is now, it only reached number 26. Place higher were the Fast Food Rockers, a group who had scored a number two hit earlier in the year with the children's playground tune inspired fast food song with I Love Christmas. One True Voice had broken up by now, but the Cheeky Girls were still having hits a year on, and Have a Cheeky Christmas was at number 15. Even Cliff Richard was back. His latest Christmas effort, Santa's List, was already a top five hit, but fell to number 13 at Christmas. And so the top five was fiercely fought. Most people presumed the victors would be the contestants from Pop Idol 2, or the Idols as they called themselves. The show hadn't actually finished by Christmas, so they all recorded a cover of John Lennon's Happy Christmas War Is Over. Shockingly at the time, it only reached number five. Novelty was also back. Avid Merian, aka Lee Francis, aka Keith Lemon, with his Bow Selector characters, recorded a Christmas track, Proper Crimbo, and it reached as high as number four. Oh, 
The previous week's number one was at number three, the first of two dark and moody tracks in the top three, Ozzy and Kelly Osbourne with Changes. Two couldn't be more different from each other. In one corner he had glam rock festive fun, and on the other he had a haunting piano cover. The Darkness were having a very successful 2003, and in glam rock style, harking back to Wizard and Slade, they recorded their original festive tune, Christmas Time, Don't Let the Bells End. It was a very close battle, and was said to have been number one all week, but in the end, The Darkness finished second. Winners in 2003 were classic Christmas number one material. They were one-hit wonders with a song which caught the imagination of the public at the right time. Singer Gary Jules and film composer Michael Andrews had recorded a piano cover of Tears for Fears Mad World for the Donnie Darko film soundtrack two years previously. After its use in various programmes and picking up heavy airplay in late 2003, it finally received a full single release in time for Christmas and was the surprise winner. Not the cheeriest of Christmas number ones, but it eventually sold around 700,000 copies. I'm dying or the best 
hard to tell you I find it hard to take The people run in circles It's a very, very There was another lack of effort in securing the 2004 Christmas number one, but this time not due to a talent show. Contenders included a new non-Christmas release from Cliff Richard at 13, and strangely, a sort of Christmas song, I Have Forgiven Jesus by Morrissey at 10. Year one from Proper Crimbo, Avid Merian was back with a new song, this time a cover of I Got You Babe with Davina McCall and Patsy Kensett for some reason, landing at number five. Kylie Minogue was also back and her new single I Believe In You finished at number three. The biggest contender to beat the eventual number one fell to Ronan Keating, teaming up with Yusuf, aka Cat Stevens, for a new version of the latter's Father and Son, a song covered by Keating's Boyzone nearly ten years previously. This version finished the runner-up in 2004, with all profits going to the cause for the song that beat it. So at number one was a song claiming its third Christmas number one entry. Bob Geldof and Mid-Year organised a brand new recording of Do They Know It's Christmas under the name Band-Aid 20, 20 years after the original hit number one to benefit Sudan's troubled Darfur region. Bono and Paul McCartney returned from the original, but otherwise it was full of big names and then current stars, including Robbie Williams, Dido, Busted, Will Young, Sugar Babes, Chris Martin and even The Darkness, who were at least involved in a Christmas number one a year after missing out. The single sold 72,000 copies in the first 24 hours, with the CD version selling over 200,000 copies in its first week. It stayed at number one for four weeks in total, and was the last single ever to sell a million physical CD copies in the UK, with the format quickly being replaced by downloads as the format of choice. It's Christmas time There's no need to be afraid At Christmas time We let in light and in our world of plenty We can spread a smile of joy Throw your arms around the world At Christmas time But say a prayer Pray for the other ones At Christmas time Heart. But when you're having fun, hey, 
this Your time for the deprived If the tables turn Would you survive? Here's to them Underneath that burning sun You ain't gotta feel guilt Just selfless Give a little help to the helpless Do they know It's Christmas time In 2005 saw a new era of the Christmas charts that would last for the next decade. Elsewhere, there were new entries that week for James Blunt, Coldplay, Girls Aloud and Eminem, but none of them got higher than number 5. This was also the year of the Crazy Frog. In classic novelty style, the trouserless irritant released a unique version of Jingle Bells, and he charted at number 6 that week. Pogues and Curtin McCall's Fairy Tale of New York was reissued in 2005 for a number of charities, including the Justice for Kirsty campaign after her tragic death in 2000. The re-release hit number three this time around, but it wouldn't be the last time we heard it. You're a bum, you're a punk. You're an old slut and jumper, and they're almost dead on a trip in that boat. You scumbag, you maggot, you cheap, lousy faggot, happy Christmas, you're outside, my God, it's our love. The boys of the NYPD chorus to sing. And the bells are ringing out for Christmas Day. 
The big challenger in 2005 came from the unknown group called Nizloppy, whose folk song JCB, complete with a cartoon video that was an early example of the viral video, picked up huge airplay and stopped Westlife by under 200 copies as number one the week before. However, they fell to number two for Christmas week. We're holding up the bypass, oh. Me and my dad having a top laugh, oh, oh. Sitting on the toolbox, oh. And I'm so glad I'm not in school, boss. So glad I'm not in school. Oh no. In 2004, the winner of the first X Factor series, Steve Brookstein, had to wait until after Christmas to release his debut single so that he didn't have to compete with Band Aid 20 for the number one. This year, however, Simon Cowell decided they didn't have to wait. Series 2 winner Shane Ward sold over 700,000 copies of That's My Goal in a week, still today being the third fastest selling single ever to win the 2005 race. My story, you know why I'm standing here tonight. Please don't go, don't be in a hurry. I'm here to make it clear, make it right. Well, I know I've acted foolish, but I promise you. No more. I finally found that something worth reaching for. I'm not here to say I'm sorry. I'm not here to lie to you. I'm here to say I'm ready. That I finally thought it through. I'm not here to let your love go. I'm not giving up.
By 2006, chart rules were starting to change to reflect the fact that more people were beginning to use downloads on services like iTunes rather than buy physical CDs. At this point, only singles that had a physical equivalent in recent times could be included, which meant that the Pogues were able to chart at number 6 as they had re-released Fairy Tale of New York the previous year. Slade had also crept in at number 21, mostly from downloads, as they released an Asda exclusive CD single to Martin Noddy Holder's deal with Nobby's Nuts. Elsewhere, the royal family actor Ricky Tomlinson gave it his best shot, taking Christmas My Ass to number 25. Crazy Frog was also back with his attempt at covering Wham's Last Christmas at 16. Cliff Richard gave it a good go again, and he came the closest to achieving his aim of having a number one in every decade since the charts began, as he reached number two with 21st Century Christmas the week before, and he was at number seven for Christmas week. New entries came from the Girls Aloud cover of I Think We're Alone Now at 4 and McFly's Sorry's Not Good Enough at 3. The newly reformed Take That with the biggest challenges in 2006. Patience was already a big selling number one and it fell to number two for Christmas, giving them their second Christmas number two after 1993's Babe. However, they were comfortably beaten by the winner of the X Factor's third series, Leona Lewis. Kelly Clarkson had previously released a moment like this when she won American Idol's first series in 2002, and Simon Cowell thought the song was good enough for Leona to cover, and it worked, as Leona sold more than the rest of the Christmas Top 40 combined, shifting over 570,000 copies in a week. What if I told you it was all meant to be? Would you believe me?
downloads were now fully eligible to chart in 2007, with or without a physical release. This meant that from then on, old festive favourites would re-enter the chart from December onwards. However, it wouldn't be until the streaming era that they completely took over the final few weeks of each year. In 2007's Christmas chart, the novelty of this fact clearly had an effect, as we had re-entries from Chris Rear, Band-Aid, Shaken Stevens, Slade, Wizard and Wham in the top 40. There was also the first ever chart entry for Andy Williams, with It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year at number 21. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the in most years, the two biggest re-entries each time were two previous Christmas number twos. In 2007, the Pogues were back again at number four with Fairytale of New York, and Mariah Carey was at number six with All I Want For Christmas Is You. Previous year's winner, Leona Lewis, was there again with former number one Bleeding Love, which is at number three for Christmas. The biggest challenger in 2007 fell to a recording of the late Eva Cassidy singing What a Wonderful World with new vocals added from Katie Melua. Raising money for the Red Cross and number one the previous week, it was the runner up in 07. I see trees of green red roses too. I watch them. So the winner of the 4 series of The X Factor was easily the winner again. Leon Jackson was triumphant this time, releasing a cover version of When You Believe, originally by Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey for the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. It wasn't quite as massive as previous winners, but it still eventually sold over half a million copies. Many nights we prayed, with no proof anyone could hear. In our hearts a hopeful song, we barely understood now we are not afraid although we know there's much to fear we were moving mountains along before we knew we could there can be miracles oh when you It's hard to kill Who knows what miracles You can achieve When you believe Somehow you Despair when all 
2008 proved to be the first time that people were starting to challenge the X-Factor domination of the Christmas chart. But were they successful? There weren't as many Christmas classic re-entries in 2008, as most people had probably downloaded them all by now, and even if they hadn't, they probably would have done so at the beginning of December. The highest this year was the Pogues at number 12 and Mariah Carey at 17. Lower down the chart, the Swedish DJ Bass Hunter released his special take on Jingle Bells, charting at 35. Australian singer Gabriella Chilmy released a cover of Warm This Winter by Connie Francis and it was used in a co-op Christmas advert, a tactic used by other stores in the coming years, and it was at number 22. The previous week saw a cover of Peace on Earth, Little Drummer Boy, in the style of David Bowie and Bing Crosby, performed by Alan Jones and Terry Wogan under the name Bandaged, equaled the original chart placement at number 3. For Christmas week, it had fallen to number 13. I'll see the day we bring of glory. 
To lay the day for the king When man of good will Live in peace again So Peter Kay's comedy send-up of The X Factor earlier in the year proved to be popular. His alter ego Geraldine McQueen had beaten Leon Jackson's follow-up single in the summer, and Geraldine's festive effort, Once Upon a Christmas Song, co-written by Gary Barlow, made number five. Leona Lewis was in the top three for a third year running, this time with a cover of Snow Patrol's Run, a former number one, at three. But 2008 was the first time that the Christmas Top 2 were versions of the same song since 1953 when Frankie Lane beat David Whitfield with Answer Me. Once it was revealed that the winner would be releasing cover of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, there was outcry from lovers of the song, especially the version by Jeff Buckley. A Facebook campaign aimed to get Buckley's version to number one and beat the X Factor winner. Not only did Leonard Cohen's original reach number 36, and although it performed better than expected, Buckley's version ended at number two. Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, the baffled king composing hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. But in the end, Buckley's version of Hallelujah was beaten quite comprehensively by the fifth winner of The X Factor, Alexandra Burke. Burke herself was not a massive fan of the choice of song, saying later it just didn't do anything for me. Despite this, the song sold 576,000 copies in its first week, becoming the fastest selling single by a woman in the UK. It was also the best selling single of the year, and went on to sell over 1.2 million copies, becoming the biggest selling X Factor winner's single ever. I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. You don't really care for music, do ya? When it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, the baffled king composing
After the Jeff Buckley campaign in 2008, there was even more unrest with the X Factor's Christmas domination in 2009. Around the chart, just creeping in at number 40, was the Pet Shop Boys, winners of the 1987 Christmas number one, with the festive It Doesn't Often Snow at Christmas. The only Christmas re-entries in the festive chart in 2009 were again Mariah Carey at 21 and the Pogues at 18, while George Michael made a return with the festive December song at 14. There was always Christmas time, Jesus came to stay, I could believe in peace on earth and I could watch TV all day, so I dreamed of Christmas. The Children in Need single was a big success in 2009, and if it was released a few weeks later, it may well have challenged for the number one. The Peter Kay animated all-star band featured many childhood TV favourites, including 2000's Christmas chart topper Bob the Builder, performing a medley of songs. It was already a massive number one hit, and was the Christmas number four. Lady Gaga had a huge debut year in 2009 and Bad Romance was at number three. And so it came down to two completely different entries. The winner of the sixth series of The X Factor, Joe McEldry, was expected by many to do what his predecessors had by scoring the Christmas number one with his cover of The Climb by Miley Cyrus. However, a Facebook campaign to get Rage Against Machine's angst-ridden Killing in the Name to the top spot picked up steam. In early December 2009, John and Tracy Mortar launched a group on Facebook encouraging people to buy the song in the week before Christmas to prevent the winner of The X Factor from achieving the Christmas number one slot for the fifth year running. By December 15th, the group had more than 750,000 members. As the X Factor song was donating some of the profits to charity, the Rage Against the X Factor campaign encouraged supporters to also give to charity. After Simon Cowell publicly denounced the campaign as stupid and cynical, the group gained more attention. Rage Against the Machine themselves then added their support to the campaign. And it's nothing against you know, the individual candidates or against the, you know, the guy who runs the show. I think that your country has such a great, rich history of cutting-edge, exciting rebel music, whether it's the early Stones and the Who or the Clash and the Sex Pistols or Prodigy and Muse, that I think that people are just fed up with being represented every Christmas holiday by you know, being spoon-fed some overblown, sugary ballad that sits atop the charts. And so, um, like I said, a little dose of anarchy for the holidays is good for the soul. I think the song, I think thanks to these songs, uh, message of standing up to illegitimate authority does not have a season. That song to me seems like it's a, a rebel anthem that will transcend the holidays. And I think there's something in the reptilian brain and in the human spirit that bucks against this illegitimate authority being spoon-fed stuff like this and people aren't, aren't taking it. And kudos to them. Both singles sold hundreds of thousands of copies, with both artists flip-flopping each other throughout the week. But in the end, Joe McEldry finished in second place before climbing to number one a week later. It's always gonna be another mountain I'm always gonna wanna make it move Always gonna be an uphill battle Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose Ain't about how fast
best I get there Ain't about what's waiting on the other side It's the climb And so, thanks to download rules and the power of Facebook, Rage Against the Machine have become the most unlikely of Christmas number ones. To celebrate, in June 2010, the band performed a free thank you gig for 40,000 fans at Finsbury Park. On stage, Tracy and John Morta were handed a cheque in the amount of £162,000, representing the proceeds from donations to Just Giving and royalties from sales of the single. So for those that work forces are the same that bar crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that bar crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that bar crosses. Some of those that work forces draw the same that bar crosses. Bad. 
what you tell me. Well, I won't do 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 what you tell me. So that was the 2000s, half of which was dominated by the X Factor and talent shows, but the final chart of the decade proved that the Christmas number one was still a big talking point that was important to many people. Will that continue into the 2010s? Join me for part 7 to find out what happened next. Music